0: welcome. Everybody, good morning. Welcome to River Glen. Good to see you. Good to be together uh, with you. Special shout out to all the moms, grandmas, future moms, and just all the ladies. Thanks so much for making River Glen part of your your Mother's Day. We found a little uh, video uh, to honor moms. And uh, take a look at the screens.
1: Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Have you ever done one of these interviews uh, over the camera before? No. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the job to get started with. Uh, The title that we have going right now is Director of Operations, but it's really kind of so much more than that. Responsibilities and requirements are are really quite extensive. Uh, First category for the requirements would be mobility. This job requires that you must be able to work standing up most or really all of the time, uh, constantly on your feet, Constantly bending over, constantly exerting yourself, a high level of stamina. For how many, like for how many hours? Uh, 135 hours to unlimited hours a week. It's basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
0: I'm sure you'll have a chance from time to time to maybe just sit down here and there, yeah?
1: Uh, You mean like a break? Yeah. Uh, No, there are no breaks available. If you, if you had a life, we'd ask you to sort of give that life up. No vacations. In fact, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and holidays, the workload is going to go up, and we demand that. With with a happy disposition. Also, let's cover the salary. The position is going to pay absolutely nothing. Excuse me? No. Nobody's doing that for free. Yeah, You're pro crazy. bono. Completely for free. <laughs> no! What if I told you there's someone that actually currently uh, holds this position right now? Billions of people, actually. Who? Moms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moms. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> and they meet it's every requirement, oh, don't wow. they? Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Moms are the best. Yeah, there's no pay. They're 24 hours. They're always there. Now I'm thinking about my mom. Yeah, what are you thinking about her? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything. Thank you so much for everything you do. I know it doesn't seem like I appreciate all of it, but I definitely do. So mom, I wanna say thank you for everything that you've done. I love you very much. You've been there through thick and thin. My mom is just awesome. She's awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, if your mom's alive, you make sure you appreciate your mom, uh, honor your mom uh, today on Mother's Day, and uh, not just today, but uh, all year long. Well, today we're launching a brand new series, going through the book of James. We call this series Electric Faith, because the book of James makes our faith come alive. It'll our faith and helps us to follow Jesus better. But before we dive into it, just a couple quick words of introduction to overview the book. Something I love about the book of James. No other book in the Bible tells us how to live our lives and solve our problems better than the book of James. It's like James just took the whole Bible and he said, he condensed it and he said, you know, in five chapters, here's what you need to know. Here's what it looks like to really uh, plug into Jesus, to really have Electrified faith, and so I want to encourage you to read it. It's just five chapters long; It'll take you maybe 20 minutes to read it. We also have a new small group launching on Thursday night. Just show up at 6:30 by the fireplace, and we'll have an electric faith group that you can that you can try out. And if you'd like to dig a little deeper into Book of, Book of James, go to Right Now Media. We've got our own channel there, and we put five different resources that uh, you can take a look at. Stop at the connect wall if you'd like to find out more about accessing Right Now media. Something interesting about the book of James that I I find just fascinating. You know, James could kind of ease his way into this book. He could warm up the crowd, A little bit, but he doesn't do that, just kind of dives right in. In in fact, there's another writer in the New Testament by the name of Paul who wrote most of the letters, and he has these lengthy introductions, you know, grace and peace to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every time I think of you, I give thanks for you, and on and on, just these elaborate uh, greetings. Here's how James starts his book, just one word, greetings. He doesn't waste any ink, you know, he just gets right, right at it. And I want to give you a heads up, because this first teaching in the book of James is surprising, and it might hit us a little bit hard, because we live in a world that tries to tell us that life is all about comfort, and we have a a, a tendency to be passionate about comfort. For example, some of us might admit we have a mattress with uh, individual temperature controls on each side of the mattress. So the husband and the wife don't have to argue about how warm the bed should be. Cars have all kinds of options to provide comfort. I heard a radio ad this week and the dealer said, we don't sell cars, we sell comfort. Some cars have beverage holders with temperature controls to keep warm drinks warm, cold drinks cold, or seats that massage uh, your body, or a built-in umbrella in your car. Some cars have a button you push so that the car will park itself. I'd love to have that—parallel parks itself. We we seek comfort. We love comfort. We spend money on comfort, and that's why uh, this first teaching in the book of James. I think it's going to hit us hard. Let's take a look at it. Here's what James says in verses two and three: Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, to help us really think about and let these words sink in, let them marinate in our mind. I want you to say this out loud. Say these words with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Talk about irony. James says you're having problems you're having some trials, you're in the midst of a painful journey in your life, consider it a good thing. Consider it pure joy. And these people that he writes to in the first century, I mean, they faced all kinds of problems. They've, they faced persecution. They dealt with illnesses. They lost their jobs. They lived in poverty. And they had to question God. I'm sure they questioned God, why are you allowing all this trouble into our lives? But James tells them, consider it a good thing. Consider it pure joy, because the great irony is that unexpected gifts come into our life through problems and trials, but those are hard words to hear when you're in the midst of a painful season, when you're in the midst of a a problem. For some of us today, this is not recreational Bible study, is it? And you're wondering, you know, where is God? What is he doing to me? How am I going to get through this? Maybe it's finals week and you get sick and your boyfriend dumps you all at the same time. Maybe you've got a job but your boss is toxic and you hate going to work. Maybe your spouse wants out of the marriage. That's a problem. Maybe you have been unable to have children. Maybe you lost a loved one through a senseless tragedy. Some of you are facing a problem or a crisis right right now, and it feels overwhelming because you don't see a purpose or a solution. But I got to tell you, you might not see it right now, but after 30 years of walking with people through the most difficult problems in their life, addiction, infertility, cancer, conflict, even the death of a loved one. I believe in James chapter 1 verse 2 that there is a purpose to our problems. You may not see it right now, but there is. And your biggest challenge can be your biggest opportunity to grow stronger and wiser and better as a follower of Jesus. Author David Brooks put it this way, we shoot for happiness, but we're formed through suffering. And I'll bet many of us in this room, especially those of us over 40, would say that's true. I grew the most, I learned the most, not through the easy times, but through the hard times. James articulates what many of us have experienced, and that is that problems are inevitable. Notice he doesn't say, if troubles come into your life, he says, when troubles come into your life. Everybody in this room, you know what, we're in one of three groups right now. Some of you right now are in the midst of a problem. Some of you are heading into a problem. And then the rest of us are heading out of a problem because problems are inevitable. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you're gonna have problems. You're gonna have trouble. The psalmist, David, look, look what he wrote. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many, many are the afflictions that we're gonna encounter in our lives because we live in a broken, sin-filled world where problems are inevitable. And knowing that problems are normal helps us get through them. Because if we know that problems are inevitable, it changes our expectations. It shifts our mindset from, oh no, why is this happening to me? To problems are normal. Everybody has them. I'm open now to seeing how this problem is going to get solved and how it's going to make me wiser and stronger and better as a person. When you know that problems are normal, they don't throw you as much. You, You say, I wish I didn't have this problem right now, but I know that problems are normal, and I'm not going to panic. I'm going to figure out a way to get through this problem. So first of all, they're inevitable, and then the second fact, uh, problems are variable. Notice he says uh, you face trials or problems of many kinds. Problems come in different shapes and sizes. They have different levels of intensity, and some people get hit harder than others, and there's also different sources of problems. I can think of three sources of problems. Number one is me. I cause most of my problems. I'm my biggest problem. James puts it this way in verse 13. When tempted, no one should say God's tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted, look at this part, when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. James says God's not the primary cause of my problems. I am the primary cause cause here's how it works we feel tempted by something tempted to overspend tempted to overeat tempted to lose our temper and get angry and we give into those desires and that leads to sin and sin always damages relationships sin damages marriages and family sin damages our careers sin always brings some kind of death sin always creates problems this last week, I was in a conversation with somebody, and they told me they got pulled over by a police officer recently for speeding, and he gave this person a warning. And I said, good for you. And I thought to myself, I wish that would happen to me once in a while. That never happens to me. I've always struggled with driving the speed limit. And this example goes back many years, but it's still a struggle for me. I started out as a youth pastor in Kentucky, I'm driving the church van, 15-passenger van. It's got the church's name on the side of it, the, got Jesus' name on the side of it, and it's filled with high school kids. We're going to a weekend retreat. We're going in, in, through southern Indiana. We, we go through one of these small towns where the speed limit drops down to 25, and I just can't drive 25. God didn't make me to drive uh, 25. It's just not in my DNA. Amen? Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And so he pulled me over, uh, driving the church van, and of course the students, they all thought this was so funny, but I'm, I'm dying inside, I'm just hoping and praying for a warning. I grabbed my Bible, I've got it in my lap, I'm telling him, you know, we're doing God's work, weekend retreat with, this, with these kids, thanked him for being a, a police officer, but he wrote me a, a, a ticket, he's probably a Baptist, probably what it was. So I had to pay this ticket, and I couldn't put it on my expense report. And then I'm worried, what's going to happen when the church board finds out? Am I going to get in trouble? I see a Dairy Queen, and I decide to bribe the kids. I take them through the drive-thru, buy them blizzards. They outed me anyway. It didn't. I'm just grateful this happened before cell phones and uh, Instagram. But it was my own impatience. It was my own sin that created the, the, the problem, and I still struggle with it. I'm the I'm the primary cause of my problems. The hardest person for me to lead is me. Here's a second source of problems. Other people. Don't raise any hands, but have you ever been the recipient of somebody else's sin? Somebody lied to you. Somebody cheated on you. Somebody said hurtful things about you. How many of you have been uh, wounded, abused, abandoned, Betrayed. I'm telling you, the second biggest cause of problems in our world today is other people. And then the third cause, I'm just going to call everything else, accidents, natural disasters, sicknesses, diseases, financial setbacks, economic downturns, and and, and so on. But here's why this is important, I think, for us to understand that there are different sources to our problems because if you look at level three, we don't really control level three. We don't control sicknesses, diseases, hurricanes, and so on. And we don't really control other people. Sometimes people are just going to hurt you. The only source that you and I control is, is, is ourselves. And wouldn't you agree with me that uh, people who are best able to face and overcome problems at level three and problems at level, at level two are those who have learned to manage Number one, as we learn to develop strength and self-control and wisdom, we're better able to face and overcome problems in two and three. Because isn't it true, the best time to get ready for a crisis is when you're not in one. And as you get plugged into Jesus, plugged into the church, plugged into a, a life group, you develop spiritual foundation in your life. And it helps you come alive and helps you overcome these challenges in two and three, but I'm telling you, I've seen this happen so many times as a pastor. People develop spiritual foundation in their life, and then they drift. They lose ground spiritually. Very often it happens in the summertime. Summers are short, and we want to enjoy them, and it's easy for us to lose some ground spiritually, and then we hit a problem in two and three, and our faith is not strong, and we don't know how we're going to get through it, and that's why we've planned a spiritually robust summer for you. We've got new summer life groups that are launching. We've got events most weekends throughout the summer, and our team's worked really hard to create a weekend summer series that's gonna be meaningful and helpful because we wanna help you get plugged in and stay plugged in so that you can deal with whatever problems come your way. So problems are inevitable and variable. And then a third fact, James says, problems are profitable, Look at the irony again here. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance finishes its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, when a problem hits, it's hard to imagine that anything good is gonna come out of it. But he says, think about it. Consider it. Give it some thought. Because you really can View your problems as your friend rather than enemy. He says problems are profitable because they teach you perseverance. And when you have perseverance, you become mature and steady and complete, uh, not lacking anything. In other words, you're able to withstand whatever comes your way. I'm telling you, you grow more, you learn more, you deepen your dependence on God and other people by facing and solving problems in your life than any other time in your life in Bob Benson's book, See at the House, he retells a conversation he had with a friend of his named W.T. W.T. had a heart attack, experienced a heart attack, and in a matter-of-fact way, Bob Benson said to him, hey, W.T., how'd you like your heart attack? He said, it scared me to death. Would you like to do it again? No. Would you recommend it? Definitely not. And then Benson said, well, does your life mean more to you now than ever before? Well, Yeah. You and Nell have always had a beautiful marriage. Are you closer now than ever before? Yeah. Do you have a new compassion for people, a deeper understanding and sympathy? Yes. Well, WT, how'd you like your heart attack? And the silence was his answer. Now, he's not telling us, you know, go rush out and have a heart attack, but there's a good benefit. In the process. Last weekend, we baptized uh, 33 people. Most of them were spontaneous. And I want to share one story with permission. Dave, young man, and uh, he had a stroke a couple months ago. Spent two weeks in the hospital. He's doing much better. He's going through therapy. He's getting ready to go back to work. And you never want to have a stroke, but he has profited so much from dealing with this problem. He appreciates life so much more. It has, it has opened his heart and his mind even more to God. And last weekend, he made a decision to make a personal commitment to follow Jesus, and he expressed it by getting baptized. And so next time you, have, you face a trial, next time you have a problem, why not write down all the potential good that could come from the problem and tell yourself, I'm changing my mindset. I'm changing my point of view. I'm gonna, I'm gonna consider it joy whenever I face Trials. Not that we rejoice because of the illness or our spouse leaving us, no, but the result and the growth that it brings in our life. Think about this. If I asked uh, for, for a show of hands and said, uh, How many of you decided to come to Jesus because you got a promotion at work, because uh, your marriage was smooth as silk, and your kids were model students, and you won the Powerball lottery? I don't think very many hands would go up. But on the other hand, if I said, how many of you started your spiritual journey and you became a follower of Jesus because of some problem in your life? I think hands would shoot up all over the room. Some of you would say, I started my search right after my marriage blew up. I started my search right after I got the diagnosis. It was right after the judge said, you need to to get your life together. It was right after the economic downturn When I lost my job, I don't like to admit it. Uh, I don't like admitting this to you, but you know what? If I'm honest, in my life, I don't really change my ways. I don't usually stretch and grow spiritually until a problem or a trial slaps me in the face and forces me to make changes in my life. I don't usually meander my way into spiritual growth. It takes a push, and that push usually comes through some pain. It usually comes through some problem. I'll give you an example. Uh, For many years, I thought about planting a church. I played with the idea in my head. I prayed for years about planting a church. But I was living a comfortable life and kept putting it off until my dad. I had a great dad. My dad got brain cancer and died quickly. And that painful season gave me a push. And I realized life is short. Life has an end. And if I'm serious about starting a, a church... I need to take my next step, but you know what? It may never have happened without that pain, without that push. I agree with Gene Apple. He says, let's face it. The fact is, we rarely grow unless a painful trial prods, pushes, and prompts us. It's true, isn't it? And so I I want to give you some challenges, a few action steps based on James' teaching to help you embrace and grow from your problems. And so what I want you to do, I want you to pick out a problem in your life right now. Maybe it's a problem that has you feeling overwhelmed. Here's the first step to take. Ask God for wisdom. Look at what James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Notice, he doesn't say ask your, your mother, your father, your pastor, your therapist. Those people can all help. But if, you're, if you have a problem and you want wisdom, ask God for wisdom. First. And I want to challenge you to do that because some problems do not have a human solution. And God is waiting for you to ask Him, and He will give you the answer to your problem. Uh, James goes on. He says, If any of you lack wisdom, uh, ask God. But then but when you ask, uh, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He says, Ask God for wisdom, but here's the qualifier: ask with faith, not doubt. In other words, don't say, God, I got this problem, and, you know, I think you're up there somewhere. I think you might be listening, and I'm going to do this because Ben said that I should do this. Anyway, God, I've got this problem, and it really would be great if you, you help me out. No, he's saying pray to God with belief and confidence. God, you know all things. You're my Father. I need your help. I don't know how to solve this on my own. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? That's the kind of faith God's waiting for. And I want to challenge you to pray and ask God not to remove the problem. Ask for wisdom to solve the problem or wisdom to help you understand how you can benefit from the problem. Here's the second challenge. Don't give up. Because when you feel overwhelmed by a problem, it's so easy to quit rather than persevere. We have problems at work, so we're tempted to quit. Problems at school, I'm just going to quit. Problems in our marriage, we're tempted to call it quits. But so often in life, it's not the most talented, smartest people that rise to the top. It's the people who just hang on and don't quit. They let perseverance complete and finish its work. Think about it. How do you develop the character of Jesus? How do you become more loving, more self-controlled, more faithful, more patient? I mean, anybody can be loving when everybody's nice to you. Anybody can be patient when you don't have to wait in line. Really, the only way you develop the character qualities of Jesus is when you get put in a situation where you are tempted to do the opposite. For example, you only learn to love when people treat you poorly, and they try to take advantage of you, and they want their diaper changed in the middle of the night, and they don't give you anything in return. You only only learn patience when you wait at a uh, train in Waukesha. You only learn honesty when you're in a situation where it would be to your advantage to be dishonest. You only learn self-control when you're tempted to indulge. You know, it doesn't take much self-control when, when you got a vegetable tray in front of you, but it takes a lot of self-control when you're in front of the pizza buffet. But that's how we grow stronger and wiser and more like Jesus when we choose to persevere when it would be so easy to give up. And for those of you here, maybe, you know, you're struggling to hang on, to persevere. Maybe you're like an inch away from quitting. I want to give you some encouragement. Try taking it one day at a time. Jesus said one time, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. Tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. In other words, you don't have to persevere for the rest of your life. You just need to persevere today. People in 12-step groups, in Celebrate Recovery, they understand how this works. They get it. You don't have to stay sober for the rest of your life. You just need to stay sober the rest of today, another 12 hours. Sometimes I look at my preaching schedule, and I get anxious. I I start to panic. I'm like, oh, wow, how am I going to write new messages for all these weekends for one year, for five years? And then when I think in those terms, I can't do it. But I've learned I just have to prepare one message for this weekend. And then next week, I'll prepare one more message for next weekend. You persevere one day at a time, and God uses perseverance to bless your life, and to bless your family, and to bless your uh, work, and to bring you uh, maturity and joy, and bless other people. It also helps to focus on the reward for those who persevere. James says in verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive The crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. James says, In addition to the gift of perseverance, in addition to the gift of maturity, if you persevere, you're going to receive this crown of life in heaven, a gold medal for your character. And you will experience the ultimate victory in heaven because there's not going to be any more pain, no more problems, no more trials, no more suffering. But the reward is reserved for those who persevere. I'll I'll always remember uh, Mother's Day, 1993, uh, because that was on May 9th. And late at night on May 8th, uh, Marnie, my wife Marnie, gave birth to our first child, uh, our daughter Taylor. She just turned 25 Tuesday of last week. And uh, yeah, there they are on uh, Mother's Day. Taylor's one day old on uh, Mother's Day, 1993. But I remember there was a lot of pain on May 8th. I watched Marnie go through many hours of painful labor, and I wasn't much help. I, I gave her ice chips, I encouraged her, and I had no idea the pain that women go through to give birth. We also had a surprise. For some reason, we didn't know the gender, we didn't want to know the gender ahead of time. We, everybody thought it was going to be a boy, and the doctor said, it's a girl. And I have never seen pain and tears turn to laughter and joy as fast is when Marnie held Taylor, when the doctor handed her Taylor for the the first time. The pain was intense, but the joy, the reward, and the blessing outweighed the pain so much that Marnie laughed, and she decided to go through that pain two more times. (laughs) Childbirth illustrates how you go through problems and pain in life, but if we persevere, the reward and the joy at the end is so great, we forget about all the pain. And that's how the leaders of our faith persevered through their trials. And so when you're tempted to quit your job, quit your marriage, quit walking with God, remember Noah hung on and waited 120 years, 120 years, and there was no rain. What if he had quit at year 119? What if the apostle Paul gave up when the going got tough and there were shipwrecks and imprisonment and beatings? What if in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had prayed, uh, not your will, but my will be done. When you're tempted to quit, remember Jesus, our Savior, persevered all the way to the cross. And every time the soldiers slapped him, every, every time the whip tore his back open, all hell screamed, quit, quit, quit. Every time they pounded nails through his hands and through his feet, and the people mocked him. If you're the son of God, come down and prove it i bet everything inside of jesus screamed quit but with strength from above and love for you and all of us he died the death to offer every person here forgiveness of sins and eternal life and a new beginning and transformation i'm just so grateful we have a savior who persevered all the way to the end look at how jesus viewed the cross fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Look at this so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Scripture says over and over the way that we view, the way that you view your problems matters. You can view problems as your friend rather than your enemy. Your biggest challenge, your biggest problem is your. Greatest opportunity to grow. Ask God for wisdom. Don't give up and focus, focus on the reward. Let me pray for us and then we're going to share communion. Our communion is open to anyone who follows Jesus. We'll have some simple instructions that come up on the screen. Let's use this time to reflect on the perseverance of Jesus and developing more of his qualities in our own lives. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for this teaching today from the book of James. I know it's ironic and countercultural, but it's true that our biggest problem is our biggest opportunity. And so God, I wanna pray for everyone here, especially those who maybe feel like they're within an inch of quitting. And I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you give them the courage and the strength and the wisdom to persevere in the midst of this pain-filled journey. And even though we don't enjoy the pain, we thank you for the unexpected gifts that you bring into our lives of perseverance and character and maturity. Help us to grow in maturity as we study the book of James and and through all the experiences of our lives. Give us strength and hope and comfort in these next few moments as we remember the sacrifice and the perseverance of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.